Hey everybody, my name is John Zikotowski, I am the uh, director of kids ministries over at High Point Church, and uh, yeah, as Tom was saying, 13 days ago I took on an important new role, which was son-in-law to Tom, so more important is husband to Christina, but but also the role of son-in-law to Tom. Um, so I'm glad to be here with you guys and glad to be talking about intimacy with God. And I figured the best place that we could start if we're going to be talking about intimacy with God is to look in the Psalms, to look at this place where we, where we see what it's like to have the experience of intimacy with God. So we're going to turn together to Psalm 63 and read verses 1 through 8. Psalm 63, 1 through 8 says this, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a dry land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches. Because you are my helper, I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you. Your right hand holds onto me. Let's pray together before we get in. God, thank you so much for this conference. Thank you that we're together seeking intimacy with you. We're seeking to be closer to you. We're seeking to love you more deeply. God, I ask that 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 prayer, you would answer that prayer at this conference. God, that we would all leave with a deeper relationship with you, with more intimacy, with more desire for you. God, we want to be close to you. And we know that on the other side of our desire for you, you promise that you will provide intimacy with us and with you. We love you, Lord. Pray us in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this psalm, we can see David's intimacy with God. We can see all of the different ways that he, that he seeks after God. He says that he eagerly seeks after him. He thirsts for him. His body faints for him. He gazes upon him. His lips will glorify him. He will bless him. He is satisfied by God. He thinks about God. He meditates on God. He recognizes that God is his helper. He rejoices in God. He follows close to God over and over and over. In these few verses, we see all of the different things that describe David's intimacy with God. And I think in some ways, we love these words, especially at a conference like this where we're looking for more intimacy with God. We're looking to be closer to him. We're looking to feel him more. We're looking to experience him more. We love these words. We love the ways that we see David's relationship with God, and they give us hope as we look towards our relationship with God, and we love the ways that we've seen glimpses of it in our own lives. In one way, beauty, beauty gives us hope. When we see the beauty of David's relationship with God, we have hope for the kinds of things that can be done in our relationship with God. But I think something that struck me just a few days ago as I was preparing this message and changed what this message was going to be is I think what beauty also does is beauty is a judge to us. Beauty is in some ways a judge to us. And in some ways we are laid bare before words like these. In some ways, words like these are some of the hardest to read in the Bible. Because this isn't what we always experience. This isn't what I always experience. The 
the God, you are my God, I eagerly seek you, I thirst for you, my body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. That kind of feeling that you can only experience two days into being in the desert without having drank anything where your mind is consumed and your body is consumed and you have one focus on getting water, that that sort of feeling could be true, I just haven't felt it often. In some ways, words like these judge us. Or another one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 42. And the opening two verses say, As the deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? Um, One of the joys of being recently married is we receive a lot of... uh, Verses written in fancy script on little, uh, in little frames or on little mugs. This isn't one of those kind of verses. What this verse is for is it's the kind of verse that's not meant to just be stuck up on a wall and kind of give us good feelings. In this verse, we see David's longing for God. The kind of longing that's like a, a fill me with whatever the opposite of Novocaine is because I want to feel you. I want to feel you more. I remember I read this book when I was maybe, maybe 10 years old. Um, it was called Hatchet by Gary Paulson. And it was about this kid named Brian who was in a plane and it crashed in the middle of the wilderness and he had to learn how to survive. And then there's a second book called Brian's Return where after he gets saved at the end of Hatchet, he's meeting with this journalist and this journalist is like, hey, we should go back there so I can see how you survived and then we can give other people information about what it's like to survive in the wilderness. And in that book... There is the clearest picture I've ever seen of this verse, of a deer panting for water. So it's a couple of chapters into the book, and by now he's sort of established a place, and he's built a canoe out of a tree, and he's canoeing along, and all of a sudden, out of the brush to his right, this deer explodes out of the bushes, and it's just co- its head is just covered in mosquitoes and flies, and it leaps into the canoe and dunks its head in the water, because it's trying desperately to get away from the flies and to get to the water, and everything it has is consumed with getting there. That's what this verse is talking about. As the deer longs for water, so my soul longs for you. Most days my love doesn't look like this. Most days your love doesn't look like this. And so these are some of the hardest words in the Bible for me to read is to see the beauty of what we're called to and to try and measure up and think, man, there are so many ways that I've fallen short. But, you know, maybe I could try to escape, right? Maybe it's like, okay, these are descriptions of what David's experience was like, so maybe, maybe that doesn't necessarily need to be my experience. Maybe I can look at that and I can be happy for it and I can enjoy it, but it doesn't necessarily, I don't necessarily need to feel that all the time. I don't necessarily need to experience that all the time, but it gets worse, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5. We know and we love these verses. Listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And I am laid bare by verses like these. If Psalm 42 and Psalm 63 are something of the beginning of what it looks to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with everything I have, I am falling short. Maybe I catch glimpses of it. 
Maybe I catch glimpses of it. And I feel love for Jesus from time to time burning in me. But it isn't necessarily my normative experience. And this sort of thing that's, that's sometimes true of us, this, this lukewarmness of our hearts, is something that, that God speaks to directly in Revelation 3. Revelation 3, verses 14 through 20. Some of the hardest verses I know. Say, write to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Thus says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were not I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I've become wealthy, and I need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so that you may be rich. White clothes, so that you may be dressed, and your shameful nakedness not be exposed. And ointment to spread on your eyes, so that you may see. He's writing to a church. He's writing these words to a church. And I can't think of a better of a better description of the church in America than to hear you have become rich and you say to yourself, I'm rich, I become wealthy, and I need nothing. That describes us. He's speaking to us in these verses. And so we've got a problem. <laughs> and the problem is that many of our problems of intimacy come on the other side of a lack of desire. A lukewarmness in our hearts that we need to have the courage to face and the courage to give to the Lord. Thankfully, God does promise a solution. He promises that there is a way for us to experience the kinds of things that we see in the life of David. There is a way to experience the kinds of things that we see in the lives of great saints. There's a way for us to experience the kind of things that he demands that we experience. If he commands that we would love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, he is going to give us what we need to do it. And so the three steps that he gives us are to repent, to believe, and to build the fire. Repent, believe, and build the fire. The Lord desires heat from us. He desires that we would be hot for him, that we would not be lukewarm. He says in the final two verses of this chapter, Revelation 3, uh, verses 19 and 20, say this. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. He loves us. So be zealous and repent. And then this verse that we know and love. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. He promises intimacy. He promises that on the other side of repentance and belief, he will give us intimacy. He will, he will eat with us. We will eat with him. We will come in to him and he will come into us and we will experience intimacy with him. But it comes on the other side of repentance, of belief, and of being on fire for the Lord. He wants to provide this for us. But the first thing that we need to do is we need to repent. We need to have the courage to get on our knees and to say to God, God, there are so many ways that I've been lukewarm in my heart. There are so many ways that I have not desired you with a single-minded focus, that I have not desired you with all my heart, that I have not desired you with all my soul, that I have not expended all my strength in loving you. 
We need to repent. We need to have the courage to get down on our knees and ask God to change our hearts. And then we need to believe. We need to believe that God does desire this for us. That this is possible. That the reason that these things are in the book of Psalms is because they're an example that we can aspire to. They're the kinds of things that are possible for our normative Christian experience. This isn't just supposed to be something that we look at from a distance and think, wow, that's great that that person made it up the mountaintop. That's where we're meant to go. That's where we're meant to be. And if he commands that we love him with everything that we have, he's going to provide for what he commands. He's going to provide for what he commands. And the last thing we need to do, we need to repent. We need to believe that he wants this for us, that he wants intimacy for us, that he promises that on the other side of our repentance and coming low before him and being humble before him, that he will give us intimacy. The final thing that we need to do is we need to build the fire. We need to build the fire. It is our responsibility to build the fire. The Holy Spirit is building the fire in you, but it is our responsibility to work alongside him to build the fire. Romans 12, verse 11, says to, if I can get to it, says this, Do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. The job of zealousness and the job of being fervent for the Lord is given to us. It's given to us. The Lord gives it to us as our responsibility. It is our job to be zealous for the Lord. It is our job to, to seek after him. It is our job to be fervent in the spirit. And so our responsibility is to build the fire. Our responsibility is to build the fire. And now, what would be a really big bummer if we missed this is the goal here is not that everything would be done by ourselves. What I'm not trying to say is that every bit of our, of our heat for the Lord, every bit of our desire for the Lord, every bit of our fire for the Lord is all on us. That there's, there's no God working in it. Like the, the reason we have a fire in the first place is because he saved us. Is because he died on the cross and was raised for the dead so that the cold, dead, dry things could come to life in the first place. But our job after that is to keep clearing it out to keep protecting it from the rain, to protect it from the wind, wind, to continue to feed it. And we're working alongside him, but it is still our job to do it, to build the fire. He's the one who has started it, and it is our job alongside him to build it. And I think what's important, too, to recognize is when we say build the fire, um, it can be easy to imagine that, okay, like, within this analogy, obviously, what we're not trying to do if... I love to camp. So if I'm telling somebody, hey, I'm going to go build the fire real quick, or I'm going to go make the fire real quick, what they don't think I'm doing is that I'm just sitting there trying to imagine really hard a fire appearing. Or that I'm like trying to find pieces of flame and just sort of gather them together and kind of fit them together, and then all of a sudden a fire appears. What I'm going to do is I'm going to gather wood, I'm going to split it, I'm going to make a place for it, I'm going to put kindling in there, I'm going to make, put things in there that can light easily, I'm going to find a place that is protected from the rain and the wind. My job is to make a place for the fire to flourish. The Lord's job is to provide the fire. And the Lord will provide the fire. But this is our responsibility, to build the fire 
It is our responsibility to see the places that we are lukewarm in our hearts, to have the courage to give those to God, to have the courage to say, God, I do not desire you the ways that you demand. And I do not desire you the ways that I want to desire you. And I do not desire you the ways that you desire me to desire you because you know that you are the best thing there is for me. The first thing to do is to recognize the places where we are lukewarm and to repent. And then to believe that this is what he wants to give to us. That he wants to give us the kind of experience that could be written about in scripture. That that kind of height, that that kind of beauty is the kind of thing all of us were meant to experience in our relationship with God. And then it is to do the steady, careful work of continuing to build the fire. Continuing to put things in place. And so a couple of things, a couple of tips for fire building. First, See your goal in your devotional times as increasing your devotion. I like the word devotion. I like to call them devotional times more than I like to call them quiet times. I don't think it's necessarily bad, obviously, to call them quiet times. But the reason I like to call them devotional times is because it points towards what we're actually trying to do during those times. The point of the times where where we're sitting and we're praying and we're reading our Bibles and maybe we're worshiping, the point of that time is to increase our devotion for the Lord to increase our heat, to add another log to the fire. So see your goal in your devotional times as experiencing more devotion towards the Lord. Two, behold his glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we contemplate the Lord's glory and we are being transformed from one degree of glory, from the same image of glory to glory. One degree of glory to another. That it's as we see the Lord that we are transformed. And so make part of your goal in the times that you spend with God to see him clearly. Romans 2 says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. And it's only in seeing his kindness that we could be led to that kind of repentance. As we contemplate the Lord, as we see him more and more clearly, as some of the most transformative work that we can do is to see God in the Bible. And as we do that, we will be transformed. Three, build altars. Build altars. Part of the point of altars in the Old Testament was they were places of remembrance. They were places that when God had done something amazing, an altar would be built so that the people would remember, God has gotten us this far, or God has done this thing for us. So build altars in your life. When God does something amazing in your life, or when you have an experience with God that's incredible, take a time to build an altar and remember. The whole point of Psalm 42 is it's David crying out to God saying, God, I long for you. I remember the times when I led people into the temple, these happy processions when I was close to you. And because I remember those times, I know it's possible. I know that I can get there. I know that I can feel you in this way. And so it's building that kind of altar and that kind of memory that drives him towards pursuing the Lord. Four, seek experiences. You can't live on the mountain forever. You can't live on the mountain forever. But you do need to visit from time to time. (laughs) Seek experiences with the Lord. Seek the kinds of experiences where you can say, I have felt what it is like to be completely consumed in my desire for the Lord. 
get to a place of humility and of courage to be able to seek that kind of experience. Give yourself to it fully and be foolish in it. Five, become desperate. Listen, (laughs) it does not matter what it takes. There is nothing more important than your love and your intimacy with God. I, I don't know what it means to be threatened with being vomited out of the mouth of God. I don't know exactly what that's supposed to mean theologically, but I can gather that it's probably not great. And so there is nothing more important that you can do than to become hot for the Lord, to get on fire for the Lord. So I don't, I don't care if this means you have to sell your house or quit your job or whatever it is that you have to do or talk to that person about Jesus or get 30 accountability partners so you can finally deal with that porn issue. Whatever it is, do it. Get desperate. Get desperate for the Lord. And sixth, surround yourself with people who are climbing the mountain. Whoever stirs your heart to go for more. I remember um, last year, a friend of mine got married, a guy named Andrew, and at his wedding, we, at the bachelor party beforehand, and then on the day of, we spent hours praying and worshiping and seeking the Lord, and I was coming into that time feeling lukewarm. I was coming into that time feeling like I was in this place with the Lord that I hadn't cherished him the way I used to. I remember these times previously in my life when I was, either when I was a new believer and in many ways was very foolish in my love for God, but it was, it was out of a love for God or a time where I was on a mission trip and it was experiencing depth of intimacy with God and I, I was remembering those things and I was in this sort of Psalm 42 place where I was like, God, I'm not experiencing these things. And when we got to this wedding, we prayed and we worshiped and we spent time with one another. That completely reignited my passion for the Lord. Spending time with people who are also climbing the mountain. I think the most important thing is don't believe the lie that this kind of intimacy isn't for you. Don't believe the lie that what you read in the Psalms is somebody else's experience and it can't be yours. Don't believe the lie that you can't have the kinds of experiences that we read in Scripture or that we read in the lives of people who have gone before us. Jesus died for your intimacy. So don't believe that he didn't. His promise is that on the other side of repentance comes intimacy. On the other side of believing that he wants it for us. And in the careful work of continuing to build the fire. And so let's do the steady work to build the fire. Worship team can come up. I'm going to pray for us. Um, after I pray for us, you'll be able to, to come up to the front, to the altar if you want to. Just make sure to remain six feet apart. Um, but let's pray together. God, I thank you that, you that you desire the kind of closeness with us that would make us blush if we really realized how close you wanted it to be. God, we ask that you, you would build in us a trust in your desire to be close to us. That you'd help us to desire it. God, we ask that you would, that you would use images of beauty not only to give us hope, yes, to give us hope, but also, Lord, to cut us to the quick. To show, to show us the ways that we need to repent and believe in you for more. God, we ask that you'd give us the courage, 
that you would give us the courage to repent. You give us the courage to believe all that you have for us. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.